coming up on The Exam Room. Let's say there's somebody that's eating a really healthy diet with a lot of fruits and vegetables and whole grains, no meat and no dairy, but their cholesterol is still elevated. Are they at any less risk, any more danger than somebody that's eating that high fat diet that's got a lot of steak and hot dogs and hamburgers in it? You know, that very question came up in one of Dr. Ornish's studies, Dr. Dean Ornish, medical genius, where he used a plant-based diet along with a healthy lifestyle, modest exercise, don't smoke, handle stress. And he showed remarkably cholesterol levels dropped like a stone. People lost weight. Their arteries started opening up again. There was one person in this study who, despite following a really healthy diet and not smoking and everything, could not get his cholesterol level down. But even he had reversal of his heart disease. In other words, the arteries were opening up again in him just like others. And that raised the question, if I can't get my cholesterol down, but my diet is really clean and my lifestyle is otherwise good, maybe that alone is going to have a very protective effect. Now, there are plenty of other doctors who would say, I don't know, I wouldn't, I don't want to put my money all on that. I would add a statin as well. And that con- that controversy continues to this day. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast in the U.S. and in more than 150 countries. Hi to everyone listening in Kansas City, Missouri, Thornton, Colorado, and Oslo, Norway. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 97 of season 6, number 493 overall. And here is an admission. We have heard from a surprising number of exam roomies who say, wait a minute, I'm doing everything right, but my cholesterol just won't come down. I'm not eating meat. I'm not eating dairy. There's no eggs, not even an occasional piece of fish. So what gives? I mean, literally in these messages, their frustration is just jumping off of the page. So today, we are going to take a closer look at cholesterol and what might be going on with them. Whether some vegans are just naturally predisposed to having high cholesterol, so talking about the genetic component there, and then what else these people who are struggling might want to try in order to bring their numbers down, and what treatments might be available to them. Plus, of course, the best foods to lower cholesterol that they may not yet have on their plate, and then some sneaky ones that they think could be doing their body good, but in actuality are keeping the numbers much higher than desired. And breaking down everything for us when it comes to cholesterol is Dr. Neil Barnard. He is our dear friend and, of course, highly regarded nutrition expert, best-selling author, and the president of the Physicians Committee. But before we get into this really interesting conversation today, I have a question for you. Are you an exam room VIP? And if not, why not? It's completely free and being a VIP means all kinds of perks for Y-O-U, including early access to some of our top interviews, including one right now with Dr. Michael Greger. You can hear this before we release it to the public all about his new book, How Not to Age. So head over to pcrm.org slash exam room VIP to sign up. 
absolutely free. And in addition to getting access to the interview with Dr. Greger, you will also get first crack at tickets for our big live shows. You know, like the one that we just did in Washington, D.C. with the Esselstyn family. And a little bit earlier this year, the big one out in Los Angeles as well as up in New York. Always such a fun time to have hundreds of exam roomies join us live and in person. And you can be there too. First crack at tickets as an exam room VIP. And the best part though, in addition to all of those great perks for you, you will be truly helping us at the Physicians Committee achieve our mission of making the world a healthier and more compassionate place. So what are you waiting for? Raise your health IQ. Get in on that early access to the interview with Dr. Michael Greger. Get in on those early tickets. And oh, by the way, you'll get a wicked awesome newsletter as well. So pcrm.org slash exam room VIP to sign up. But right now, let's turn our attention to cholesterol. And what happens when it's really stubborn like a statue and it just won't budge no matter what it is you do? even if you're eating a plant-based diet. Here's Dr. Neil Barnard from The Exam Room Live. Pleasure to see you as always, my friend. Good to see you, Chuck. All right, so when it comes to high cholesterol, Dr. Barnard, correct me if I'm wrong, but really there's some urgency here when it comes to this. I wanna share this from the CDC. Right off of their website, it says, having high blood cholesterol raises the risk for heart disease, which is the leading cause of death, as well as the risk of stroke, which is the fifth leading cause of death. So really, from a doctor's perspective here, I'm guessing you're gonna tell us high cholesterol is not something you wanna play around with. It's not something you want to play around with, and it's something that's, uh, that damages the body, and that really starts at birth. Um, that th These particles of cholesterol that are in the bloodstream can irritate the artery wall. And just as you said, Chuck, uh, it could be the arteries to your heart, the arteries to the brain, the arteries to the kidneys, elsewhere in the body, and they're doing damage uh, every minute of the day. And so we want to keep their levels low. And so from time to time, over the years, we've heard from a number of viewers, a number of listeners who say, I just, no matter what happens, I can't seem to get my numbers under control. I want to share one of the messages we received. This is from an exam roomie by the name of Cindy, Dr. Barnard. She writes, I haven't eaten animal products for four years. I don't eat vegan junk food and I'm not overweight. And yet my cholesterol continues to go up. It's now at 238, but I thought it would go down when I cut the animal products. And she says, it's the same with my brother's. We're told it's just genetics, and I'm resisting using statins, but she's wondering, Dr. Barnard, why is her body doing this? Is there anything that is just like, this is 100% genetics like she's being told, and you just kind of got to deal with it? What, what do you think could be happening here? Well, first of all, Cindy has done some really important things already. Um, number one is that she's already gotten the animal products off her plate. And the reason that is so important is that cholesterol is only found in animal products. So if they're on your plate, they're going to raise your blood cholesterol. If they're not, that's good. And not only do animal products have cholesterol, they have saturated fat. That's the bad fat that's solid at room temperature, beef fat, dairy fat. Uh, that stimulates your body to make extra cholesterol. So you've You've done the right thing. You're getting those off your plate. Excellent step one. Now, there are going to be people, um, just like, like Cindy, where, wait a minute, I've made that change, but I'm still having a problem. I'm still not getting to, to my target. And so that's a time where we need to start looking at some other things that might be on your plate. And number one 
is going to be the tropical oils. You pick up, um, say, some palm oil or some coconut oil. These are the tropical oils or palm kernel oil. And if you were to look at the label on them, it is mostly saturated fat. So it's not butter. It's not an animal product. It's one of the very, these are among the very few plant oils that, that will raise your cholesterol because of the huge amount of saturated fat. And it can be hidden. Let's say you bought organic peanut butter. Look at the label. There's peanuts in there, but sometimes they add either palm oil or they might add hydrogenated fat to it. They do that to, to give it this buttery mouthfeel, but that's going to raise your cholesterol just like butter. So you need to be looking for these hidden, these hidden fats that can act just like animal fats. You know, and I think that we also need to stress this before we continue this conversation that we don't have Cindy's medical chart. So we're really just speaking in generalities here and that I believe it's important for the viewers, the exam room is to continue to work with their own doctors as they try to combat this. Would you agree, Dr. Barnard? Oh, well, thanks for saying that. And, and yes, absolutely. And for another reason, um, and that's that the doctor can look into all kinds of other things that may influence the picture. For example, uh, if a person has a high cholesterol, but no prior history of any kind of heart issues, the doctor might take that into account compared with the person who's got heart issues. Or if your parents had cardiovascular events early in life, they're going to take that into account. So yes, it's obviously important to, to talk with your, your doctor. But nonetheless, we can still provide some general information that really might be of help. And I mentioned the tropical oils that they're bad, they're bad, that they're as bad as butter. Um, and by the way, that, that's got to be emphasized because you'll hear people say, but it's organic coconut oil or you know, it's natural palm oil, um, it can cause an organic heart attack. I mean, th these are things you don't want to have. Um, but then look at other oils. Let's say it's olive oil. Now, olive oil has much less saturated fat compared to coconut oil and, and less saturated fat compared to beef or chicken or, or dairy products. And here, here are the numbers. Uh, beef fat is about 50% saturated fat. Chicken fat is about 30% saturated fat, and the other 70% is a mixture of other kinds of fats. What about olive oil? Pull it off the shelf. It says it's straight from Tuscany and it's organic, but it's about 14% saturated fat. Oh, wow. So the other 86% won't raise your cholesterol, but that 14% will. So that's why you hear us talking about minimizing uh, all the oils. So that's, uh, that's another thing that you want to be looking at. Is it safe to say that the diet overall is probably going to be the number one influencing factor when it comes to a person's cholesterol levels? Far and away. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. And and what what are normal cholesterol levels? I feel like we almost should have established that at the top of the show, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, cholesterol levels jump all over the place. And, and what you said kind of at the beginning is the question of genetics. Genetics plays a huge role. So, so for, for one person, they're kind of uh, healthiest cholesterol level will be a little bit different for somebody else based on genetic tendencies. But if you ask somebody at uh, in the U.S. government, what's a good cholesterol level? They'll say, have your total cholesterol less than 200. And your bad cholesterol or LDL cholesterol, um, low-density lipoprotein cholesterol, should be less than 100. Um, and uh, those, those are good numbers. Now, uh, most people will want to be lower than both of those. Um, if you're at 200 for a total cholesterol, but if you got yourself down to, you know, 170, 160, 150, uh, your heart risk is continuing to drop. But those, those are pretty good numbers. And then there's another number and that's HDL, um, 
high density lipoprotein, often called, called good cholesterol. And there, doctors will be a little cagey. They're going to say a healthy HDL is something in the neighborhood of 60 or above. However, there's not a lot that you can do to influence the level. And it's not clear that influencing the level of HDL really matters. Researchers have developed drugs to raise HDL and they don't affect your heart risk. Um, in contrast, lowering your LDL, getting your bad cholesterol down, that makes a difference. And that's really job one. If you can get your cholesterol down, if you can get your LDL cholesterol down, that's money in the bank. I have heard, speaking of good cholesterol, from a number of people who say, well, exercise actually could even modestly increase those numbers. I know that you just said that there's not a whole heck of a lot that you can do, but do we know whether or not there's a connection between being less sedentary and getting that HDL up? Yeah, what you said is exactly right. Exercise will modestly raise HDL. Um, we don't really know if that in turn uh, reduces your risk of heart disease from the HDL alone, apart from the benefit of the exercise itself. But, but yeah, exercise will raise HDL a little bit. Conversely, if a person is largely sedentary, though, would that increase the, the LDL, the bad cholesterol number, or is that exclusively dietarily driven? Um, not so much. Um, where, where exercise versus being sedentary really plays a role is with HDL and also with triglycerides, which we haven't really talked about. Triglycerides are your blood fats. Um, they bounce around all over the place. Doctors want typically want them to be below about 150. Exercise will, will lower them. Um, and, and by the way, here's a place where junk food is not your friend. Um, sugar, um, refined white flour, for example, will tend to raise triglycerides. And yet if you were having, say, low glycemic index carbohydrates, you're having root vegetables, you're having uh, beans, fruits, these tend to lower triglycerides. And let me ask you something. This just kind of popped into my head as you were talking about the, the different kinds of fats and triglycerides bouncing around uh, the body. I'm kind of wondering what the connection is between uh, high cholesterol and perhaps a person's risk of not heart disease or a stroke, but something like Alzheimer's disease. You, you talk about cholesterol getting in there and clogging up everything. I'm wondering if that could also happen in the brain. Oh my God. You, you, I think you've touched on the absolute issue of our time. Because the, the link between cholesterol levels and heart disease was established back, what, 60 years ago. Um, but researchers at Kaiser Permanente did a mind-blowing study. They brought in almost 10,000 people and they checked their cholesterol levels when they were around 40 years of age. They're all sort of middle-aged people. And then they tracked them over the next several decades. And what they found was that the higher the cholesterol the higher the risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. And so we started to realize that what is good for the heart is good for the brain. What is bad for the heart, like high cholesterol, is bad for the brain. So that, again, that argues for keeping a cholesterol level low, not just for your heart, but Chuck, exactly what you said, for brain health too. Now, does that mean you should do it by statins? Here, we're gonna walk into a minefield because the statin drugs, they're very effective for lowering cholesterol levels. They will lower a, a LDL. And they do clearly have a role for many people of protecting the heart under certain circumstances. However, uh, cases started to crop up of people where they, they, they start a statin. A month later, their memory starts to have gaps in it. They, they're, they're losing names. They're losing uh, all kinds of, uh, of things throughout the day. And they think, this is just not me. They stop the stat and their memory returns to normal. And if that had happened once or twice, we would think it's just a fluke. 
the FDA has hundreds of these cases. And so we now know that, that memory loss is for some people uh, caused by statins. Now, before we say, well, chuck the statins in the wastebasket, there is a pretty big um, body of literature saying that maintaining a low cholesterol level, including using statins if you need to, can reduce the risk of Alzheimer's disease overall. So for some people, a big for some people, they seem to be helpful. For others, they can really uh, cause your memory to really go south. And I guess, yeah, a lot of people do wrestle with that. Um, do you think, though, that by and large, statins are overprescribed? And I'll tell you why I'm I'm asking this one because. Uh, I have someone very close to me who was given a prescription for a statin, and when she consulted with another physician, they were like, I really don't see any purpose in you taking this, and she told that doctor that really her other doctor had given it to her just as what they would call a preventative measure, just in case. How commonly prescribed are these things, and are they, in your estimation and, and in the estimation of other experts, a little bit overprescribed? Um, there are a lot overprescribed. I'm sorry to say, uh, some some doctors treat them like vitamin L. You know, take your Lipitor prescription because it's it's uh, it's uh, going to be a, a safe way to reduce your risk of, of cardiovascular disease. Number one, the vast majority of people with high cholesterol have it on the basis of food choices. So they're eating Velveeta, they're eating other cheeses, they're eating meat, they're not following a plant-based diet, they're eating foods that raise their cholesterol. If they would stop eating those foods, you wouldn't be able to make a case for them having a statin. In other words, cases of high cholesterol are driven first and foremost by an animal-based diet. Number two, statins are not benign. Back when they first came out, they, they seemed safe, and, and overall their safety profile is good, don't get me wrong. But the problem started to become apparent. The first ones were muscle pain and, and liver uh, issues for some people. Uh, that can happen. It's re relatively common. Every doctor knows about it. Um, as time went on, it became clear that statins would also ramp up your appetite so that you would gain a little bit of, of extra weight or have more trouble losing weight. Not good, but we can live with that. Then we started to see higher risk of insulin resistance and diabetes. And now we're starting to think this is really not something that I want to volunteer for if I can achieve the same result without the drug. So that's where doctors are now. I, I think what we're seeing now is this wave of, of overuse of statins. Doctors are getting more cautious and saying, let's say you're a person who does not have a cardiac history. You've just got maybe a little bit of an elevated cholesterol level. Let's deal with this with diet. And there are some doctors who go further and say, I'm not using them kind of no matter what your cholesterol is level is if there's no other cardiac uh, risk factor. This really calls for seeing your doctor, talking with your doctor, getting your own doctor's advice. But that is exactly the controversy that we're now seeing in medicine. Are there any other alternatives to statins that somebody might be prescribed uh, in addition to, or even in a lot of cases, unfortunately, in lieu of dietary and lifestyle changes? Um, yes. Although, the, although the, um, I, should, I should say that the the di differentiation between food and drug is not exactly entirely, entirely clear here. There, there are drugs, uh, fibrates, for example, or cholestyramine, which, um, which will reduce cholesterol level. They're considered really old-fashioned, but they're still available and uh, they're used in certain cases for a person who's got massively high triglycerides or, 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 you, or you can't use a statin or whatever. Niacin is used as well. It's a, it's a B vitamin. Uh, will it lower the risk of heart disease? Well, that's another issue. But you go to the store, 
and you pick up a drug that's really masquerading as a food. It looks like a margarine. It's called Benicol or it's called Take Control. These are brands of, uh, of margarine that have plant sterols or stanols in them that for all intents and purposes are pharmaceuticals, but they're except that they're made by a plant. And when a person consumes them, their cholesterol level goes down. So um, our good friend David Jenkins at the University of Toronto did a cool thing. He brought people in to a research study who had high cholesterol levels. And he put them for all of four weeks on vegan diet. But he added soy products because it looks like soy products might reduce the production of cholesterol. He added soluble fiber, that means oats and beans, because they can help cholesterol be eliminated from the body. He added nuts because they might have a slight cholesterol-lowering ability too. And he added the stanol and sterol on margarines. And what he showed is that you could lower cholesterol level as well as, as with a Mevacor prescription. You could do it with this portfolio diet that he developed. So um, my feeling is that for everybody, that is really kind of the starting place. Get the cholesterol out of your diet, get the animal products out of your diet, use the healthiest foods, see how far you can go. And I would also imagine, um, I mean, just clear as day, I think if you go on any website and you're researching high cholesterol, it warns against drinking and smoking as well. Those are two influences that we haven't really talked about uh, yet, but true or false, they too can also elevate cholesterol levels. Yeah, they will. Um, uh, not hugely, but they will. Um, alcohol and um, and smoking both elevate um, bad cholesterol, LDL. And if, if you needed one more reason <laughs> to stop smoking, you have found it. And, and the same is true with alcohol. Um, you know, we, we got to take off the party hats once in a while um, and your cholesterol level will come down noticeably. What about another type of vice? And that is refined sugar. And I found this on a, a leading medical website uh, where they said specifically that there is a correlation between refined sugar and diet uh, cholesterol levels in the blood. And I'm wondering if it's the actual sugar or perhaps the package that that sugar comes with, maybe the oils, the butter that's in the pastry that comes along with the sugar, Dr. Barnard? Yeah, well, it's a great question. And, and what you said is exactly right, that the, the other things that go along with sugar will be part of the problem. So if, if butter is mixed into your muffin and the, the powdered sugar on top, um, they will go together. But sugar alone can do some harm and specifically tr to triglycerides. Here's what I mean. Uh, we did a study a number of years ago where we brought in people uh, who wanted to lose weight. And we gave them, in this study, two rules. No animal products, keep oils really low. Well, as you can imagine, people lost weight, they did great. Their uh, cholesterol levels fell. Their total and LDL cholesterol fell. Triglycerides fell for some, not for others. We did another study to follow it up. Now we had the same two rules. Uh, no animal products, keep oils low. But we added a third rule. And the third rule was have healthful carbohydrates, not a lot of sugar and not refined flours. Have whole grain products, um, uh, whole grain bread. And, and low glycemic index foods like rye bread or pumpernickel bread. And what we showed is that not only did the LDL cholesterol drop and total cholesterol drop, but triglycerides finally dropped too. Moral of the story, refined carbohydrates like white flour, uh, white bread, and also sugars can raise triglycerides. When you take them out of the diet, your triglycerides are going to drop. 
safe to say, uh, plant-based or not, these heavily processed foods, probably something that you're going to want to avoid if you're struggling with your cholesterol levels. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, that said, you will see a whole lot of people who follow a plant-based diet and they don't do much more than that. They just eliminate the animal products and they do really great. So I don't want to diminish that, the importance of that step. Sure. Getting the animal products off your plate goes a long, long ways. And then step two, keep the oils really low. Step three, make sure that the things you're eating are health, healthful choices. And uh, remind us really quickly before we open up the doctor's mailbag, what are some of the best foods for lowering cholesterol? Like if somebody is like, this is day one, I'm going to the store, I'm going to get these foods because these are the ones that we know could help the most. Which one should they be putting in their shopping cart? Okay. All right. Let me uh, do a quick revise of what Dr. Jenkins did, and then I'm going to add to that. Um, he was talking about soy products being helpful. Um, he was talking also about soluble fiber, so that's oats and beans. Um, and he was also mentioning some benefit from nuts, um, and then these uh, uh, stanol, sterile margins. But let me let me go in a slightly different direction. If you're planning your diet and you're choosing from four groups, think about the bean group, the legume group. Why are we going to think about those? High in protein, very high in protein. You're never going to think about needing meat or eggs. If you got beans in your diet, loads of protein, zero cholesterol, and the highest fiber food you're going to find. Fiber is great in many ways, and cholesterol lowering is part of it. So don't forget the beans and their cousins, the lentils and the peas. Um, fruit are terrific also. The fruit group, why? They're sweet. They're delicious. They're kind of sugary tasting. But do they raise triglycerides? For most people, no. Um, they're actually pretty low glycemic index. They tend not to spike your blood sugar too much, or for many people, not at all. Then bring in the vegetables, the whole range of vegetables. Um, give special uh, emphasis to the green leafy vegetables, things like broccoli, spinach, and so forth. These foods are really beneficial in so many ways. They're cancer fighters, but they are so high in fiber, so low in calories. They also bring your weight down that that notches your cholesterol down a little bit as well. And finally, the grain group. The grain group is wide. It's everything from corn to rice and, and breakfast cereals. The least processed ones are the best. So white rice, okay. Brown rice, much better. White bread, okay. But whole grain bread, much better. And when you have the whole grains in there, along with the beans, the fruits, the vegetables, you've really got uh, a terrific combination. Don't forget your vitamin B12, but you've got to supplement. And, you know, I, I almost hesitate to ask this question, so I'll couch it with there may not even be an answer, but let's say somebody is eating this, what many would consider to be pristine diet, the one that you were just prescribing, so to speak, and still their numbers remain high. Is that person, do you think, in any less danger of adverse cardiac events or health events in general because of the elevated cholesterol compared to somebody who is still eating that standard American high-fat, high-meat, high-dairy diet? You know, that very question came up in one of Dr. Ornish's studies, Dr. Dean Ornish, medical genius, in uh, 1990 published in The Lancet, The Lifestyle Heart Trial, where he used a diet a plant-based diet, along with a healthy lifestyle, modest exercise, don't smoke, handle stress. And he showed remarkably cholesterol levels dropped like a stone. People lost weight. Their arteries started opening up again. There was one person in this study 
who, despite following a really healthy diet and, and, and not smoking and everything, could not get his cholesterol level down. But even he had reversal of his heart disease. In other words, the arteries were opening up again in him, just like others. And that raised the question, if I can't get my cholesterol down, but my diet is really clean and my lifestyle is otherwise good, maybe that alone is going to have a, a very protective effect. Now, there are plenty of other doctors who would say, I don't know, I, wouldn't, I don't want to put my money all on that. I would add a statin as well. And that, con- that controversy continues to this day. But there are more and more doctors who are saying, I think that the, the side effects of the statins are such that if you are a healthy person, the modestly elevated cholesterol, but a really otherwise totally clean diet, there are doctors who are hesitant to start a statin, uh, only chasing the number. All right, let's go ahead and open up the doctor's mailbag. I want to take a question from Sharon, who's wondering how high does cholesterol need to be before a doctor should consider prescribing medication? Well, a lot of doctors really start right at the numbers that we talked about earlier. They'll say, you know, if your LDL is above 100, um, your risk starts to rise and they're going to start putting you on a, on a statin at that level. Um, as, as I've mentioned, been, been mentioning, though, I think there are more and more doctors who are hesitant to do that, um, really for two reasons. Uh, they're not entirely sure that you're going to get any benefit from it. And secondly, they'd rather have you work on, on lifestyle changes alone. So there isn't a specific number. Be guided by your doctor. Um, your doctor should sit down and say, tell me about your family history. Tell me about your history. Tell me about the rest of your lifestyle. And they're going to take these things into account. Yeah, and she's also wondering how often her cholesterol level should be checked uh, when she's on the medication, if she gets prescribed it. Okay, um, well, if you were not on any medication, you don't have to have a cholesterol level checked on any kind of frequent basis. You don't have to have it done every six months or every year. Um, In fact, doctors would say check it every four, five, six years, something like that. However, if you're on medications and the doctor wants to know is the medication working, Um, or you've had a change, you've changed your diet. Um, In those cases, it makes sense to go ahead and get a a cholesterol test. And and your cholesterol will be affected within a matter of just several weeks after either a change in medication or a change in diet. We were talking about the connection between cholesterol and potentially Alzheimer's uh, a little bit earlier in the show. Sasha has a follow-up for us on that. She says, but yeah, doesn't your brain need cholesterol in order to function properly, Dr. Barnard? Your whole body needs cholesterol. Um, cholesterol is used for lots of things um, in your muscles. I mean, you are not a potted plant, okay? You are not a bam- bamboo sitting, uh, rising up. You, your body is very flexible. The reason you can step out of that pot and go running around the room is because cholesterol in the membranes, in the walls, in, in, your, in your muscles, in the, the membrane of each muscle cell makes that cell flexible, a little bit rubbery, so that you can move around and do things. If you didn't have cholesterol, you'd be stuck. Um, cholesterol is used by your, your body to make things. For example, vitamin D is made from cholesterol. Hormones in general are made from cholesterol. It's got digestive juices are made from cholesterol. It's an integral molecule. However, your body, especially your liver, makes cholesterol. It makes all that your body needs so if you're eating more cholesterol, your body looks at you and says, excuse me, aren't I making all the cholesterol that you need? Why are you adding more to the system? It's just going to gum up the works. So your body makes all the cholesterol you need. You don't need to add any and you shouldn't. So um, if a person says, well, I've got cholesterol in my brain, should I add more cholesterol? 
No, it will not make you smarter. It won't help your brain function better. It will do the exact opposite. It'll make you more likely to have a stroke. We have a question from Mary who says, well, we know that eggs can raise cholesterol. We've talked about that previously on the show. She's wondering what you might recommend, though, as an egg substitute. Okay, a great question. Um, eggs do raise cholesterol levels, and, and the effect is quite variable. Uh, for some people, you see a dramatic effect. For others, less of an effect. But, but overall, eggs do raise cholesterol. And the reason I emphasize that is, is there has been a lot of controversy that the egg industry has generated trying to say, no, they're not so bad. Uh, eggs do raise cholesterol. So uh, the, probably the most popular replacement is scrambled tofu instead of scrambled eggs. And to make it really work well, you take your nonstick pan and crumble up some firm tofu into the pan and spritz in a whole bunch of nutritional yeast. Now, if you've been on a plant-based diet, you know what I'm talking about. If this is new to you, you go to the health food store and the nutritional yeast is a product. All the, the cashiers all know where it is. Let's say it's over in aisle nine um, because it adds this sort of cheesy type of flavor. And so pour a generous amount in, mix it in with the tofu, put in maybe some soy sauce, uh, any herbs you'd like. Scrambled tofu is great. Uh, there's a, another product, a little bit newer, uh, much newer, called Just Egg. And Just Egg is um, a product that scrambles up just like scrambled eggs. And in fact, I, I never had this, but I was giving a cardiology grand rounds in Florida. And the hospital chef came by with two huge pans of eggs. And he said, everybody taste. And so after my lecture, the cardiologists all got up and they're tasting the scrambled eggs. They were delicious and they were happy. Um, and then he revealed, he said, did you notice I had two different pots? One was just eggs and the other had eggs with um, green peppers and stuff in them. He said, do you know which one of these is actual eggs and which is, uh, is a vegan product? People were guessing maybe it was the one with the green bits in it. He said, well, I got to tell you the truth. Neither one of them was actually eggs. They were both made with the Just Egg product. And it is just like scrambled eggs and it fooled everybody. Um, what are they made of? They're made of mung beans, actually. <laughs> They're made of mung beans and some canola oil. And by some amazing alchemy of nature, it turns out to be scrambled eggs. And they make another one called, uh, it's Just Egg, but it's a frozen kind of a little square patty that you put on an English muffin. And you just zap it in your microwave for a minute. You've got this, this, uh, uh, this product. So uh, you don't have to have them. They're totally optional. But there are people out there trying to make life convenient for you if you're looking for a good egg substitute. The frozen uh, just egg patties that you were talking about, uh, those things make phenomenal uh, substitutes if you want to try to recreate an egg McMuffin that you might be you know, used to getting in the morning. You're trying to eat a little bit healthier. That's a great step in the right direction. I know that's worked for a lot of people. And uh, even my wife, she loves those things. So I'm not giving just egg an endorsement one way or the other, but um, it is quite tasty. I will, I will give you that much. It is daggone tasty. Um, I got, let me let me tell, let me jump in on this. Yeah, talk. I yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a year ago, I was at the American Medical Association meeting in Chicago, and here are doctors talking about health all day long. And then you look at the breakfast the next day, and the breakfast bar is bacon, sausage, scrambled eggs, and so forth. So I worked with the caterer. I said, "Come on, let's let's do better." So they bought some uh, Morning Star sausage, vegan, tasty, identical to the pork one, but it doesn't have any cholesterol, any animal fat, nothing. And they bought just egg. 
And they did the two different kinds, the scrambled egg ones and the ones you were just describing, the frozen ones. And we did a taste test and we had a whole meal catered. Everybody loved it. I mean, it, it worked out absolutely great. So it works fine. Uh, here's, a, here's a pro tip. Let's say you want to do what Chuck just said um, and you want to make uh, sort of your egg McMuffin. Um, toast your English muffin and you can put on some Dijon mustard on it or have you had piccalilli? Americans don't know about piccalilli, but this is kind of an English little bit of a yellow kind of mustardy pickle. And look at specialty stores or go online and order it. There's a Heinz piccalilli and you put that on there, put your little just egg thing on, you can put veggie bacon on top. Your family will thank you. You can pack this lunch off with your kids. They're good. Every other kid's going to want to take their sandwich away. It's so delicious. All right. Uh, let's talk about another kind of food, uh, garlic. This is an interesting question that comes to us from Terry, who is wondering whether garlic is something that you should still be eating if you've had stints implanted. I'm not sure of a connection there. This is new to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. By and large, garlic is fine. By and large, garlic is safe. Um, whether all the reputed health benefits are real, hard to say, but, but garlic is fine. Except here's the issue. Um, regarding sense, if you are put on warfarin above blood thinner, there is some evidence that garlic added to the warfarin, warfarin will increase the risk of bleeding. So that's really the question there. Um, the good news is that uh, there are newer drugs than warfarin now that are used for most people who need a blood thinner. So, so that means garlic is back and warfarin is out. And what about omelet powder? We have somebody else wondering about that. Um, yeah, this is a, a gooseberry. Um, you, you can actually take the berry. You can, you can have it as powder. You can have it as the berry. And it, it does have some cholesterol-lowering effect in eat, whether you do it as, the, as an extract or as the, the berry itself. And let's see, let's take another question. This is something along the same lines. A question from Jimmy who says, look, I'm not eating meat, I'm not eating dairy, but like you guys are talking about with cholesterol, my blood pressure just doesn't want to come down. What advice might you prescribe for somebody in Jimmy's situation? Okay, well, first of all, I'm really glad that you raised the question because high blood pressure is no joke. Um, if you can imagine just too much pressure building up in the arteries to your brain, you can imagine that, that your risk of stroke is higher and also it's doing more damage to the arteries that are going up to the brain and it's causing more and more damage day by day. You don't want that to happen. You want your blood pressure to come down. Same with your kidneys. Your kidneys are really fragile. You need them to filter your blood and get rid of toxins. And if you've got high blood pressure, that is one of the biggest reasons for blowing out the kidneys. You, you do not want high blood pressure. So you want to do something about it. Um, what can you do? Uh, the first step that doctors tend to think about is lowering salt. Good plan. But even when you follow that advice, your blood pressure comes down some, not usually hugely. But 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 it's 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 a reasonable thing. And and the the, the big salt sources are not so much the salt shaker on your table, but it's salt added as the soup was being put into the can or whatever. It's it's the soup used in uh, the, the salt that's used in processing. But after that, then looking at the other aspects of your diet, if your diet is vegan and low in fat something magical happens in your body, which is your blood gets less viscous, less thick. If you're on a diet that has no animal products in it and you keep oils low, your blood flows more like water, less like Vaseline. And when your blood flows more easily, your heart doesn't have to push so hard. Um, the the uh, blood vessels don't have to be, are not under so much pressure. And so the combination of low sodium 
and especially a plant-based diet is a great way to bring blood pressure down. And then you get this big payoff because that same diet causes you to lose unwanted weight. And when your weight comes down bit by bit by bit, your blood pressure comes down that much more. So if you're on blood pressure medicines, let your doctor know that you're doing this and your doctor will keep an eye on your blood pressure. And one day you'll be sitting at the table and you'll stand up to your feet and you'll get all dizzy because your doctor hasn't yet backed you off the medicines. And you're on a healthy diet and your blood pressure is now too low. And so your doctor will then take away one of your medicines or, or adjust the dose so that because you don't need those medicines anymore. And a great many people, as time goes on, are able to reduce or even get off their blood pressure medications. All right, let's talk about coffee here and cholesterol. An interesting question from Barbara Chase. This one came in at 1228. She's wondering whether coffee can, in fact, influence your cholesterol, bring it up higher than you might want. Yeah, especially if you uh, go to Starbucks and you put heavy cream in your coffee and you heat it with a bacon-covered donut, your cholesterol is going to go through the roof. The coffee itself, not so much a problem. Okay, gotcha. It's all about what's in there. Uh, here's a much more interesting and I think important question from uh, Gene, came in at 1219. Is there any correlation between thyroid issues and high cholesterol? Oh, wow. You know, I'm so glad you asked this. Um, this is one of the, the big neglected parts of, of, of health. You get up in the morning and you're just not yourself. And you look at the mirror and you say, oh, my, my hair doesn't look so healthy. My skin doesn't look so healthy. My energy's not so good. I'm, my weight's kind of coming up. My doctor told me my cholesterol level was up a little bit. Now, most doctors are able to say, wait, wait, wait. This pattern sounds familiar. Let me check your thyroid levels. And they're down. You are hypothyroid. Your thyroid, it's based on your neck. It's responsible for making, for giving you energy. Your thyroid hormone gives energy to all parts of your body. And if it is not working well, your cholesterol level can go up along with all the other problems that we've just mentioned. So yeah, you could take a statin to bring it down, but wait, wait, wait. We need to get your, your thyroid functioning again. How do we do that? Be guided by your doctor because there's two completely different issues that are going on. Number one is you need iodine in your diet. Seaweed, iodized salt, or even iodine supplements in some cases, but you, your doctor can help you with that. The other issue is that for some people, uh, they're developing antibodies to the thyroid gland, um, and those antibodies uh, are causing their thyroid to not work very well, and then they end up with what's called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Uh, there is some evidence, not yet conclusive in my view, but, but some evidence uh, that a diet change may be helpful. The reason we say that is vegans have much less hypothyroidism than meat eaters and especially dairy enthusiasts. Um, what we believe is going on is that animal proteins trigger an antibody attack on the thyroid gland. So if you get the animal products out of your diet, that's less likely to happen. But doctors know how to diagnose these things. They can find the antibodies and they can, they can institute treatment if treatment is necessary. All right. We were talking about tropical oils, which included coconut oil a little bit earlier. Tina, though, at 1209 is wondering not about coconut oil, but about coconut milk and even coconut water. Do you think it's possible they could influence cholesterol levels? Yeah. Uh, pop into the nearest health food store and look at rice milk. Turn, turn it around and look at the label. Look at how many fat grams and how many of those fat grams are saturated fat. Then look at oat milk. Then look at soy milk. And once you've done all 
plant, take the coconut milk and turn it around. And what you're going to discover is that it has plenty of fat and virtually every fat gram is saturated fat. Now, look at this thing, and then now look at the front of the carton, and it's filled with all sorts of claims about how healthful and natural and organic it is, and then leave it on the shelf and do not buy it because it's going to raise your cholesterol. And let's see here. Let's wrap up with this one. Uh, one from Rhonda came in at 1224. We were talking about refined flours and white bread and things like that that might influence cholesterol, but she's wondering, what about sourdough bread? It's white in appearance, but it's got the fermentation in there, so is this something to avoid or something that we might want to add to the plate, Dr. Barnard? Uh, fascinating question. I don't know the answer to that one, but let me just speculate with you for a second. Um, fermentation in foods, there's a lot of fermented foods. Some of them are terrible, like cheese, um, but there are others that aren't so terrible, like kimchi or sauerkraut. And the fermentation process um, is, is not something that creates uh, a hypercholesterolemic foods that I've ever seen. So I would have to guess that if we're talking about the fermentation, like, is related to sourdough. I would, I, my, my hunch is that, that that would have nothing to do with your cholesterol level. But now that you've mentioned that, I'm going to have to run back to my uh, library app and have a look and see what I can go. It's always something to learn. I mean, that's the, that's the greatest part. I mean, we've been doing the show for what, six seasons, almost seven now. Really? And we're always learning something new, I feel like, with every episode. By the way, we're coming up on our 500th episode. Can you believe that? How did that happen? Wow. Well, that's it. Testimony, testimony to the important information that you have, John. I mean, it just, well, it's not my information. All I'm doing is asking the questions. You're providing the answers. I mean, really, my friend, I, I'm just the, the man in the middle here. That's that's all I am. I, I, would, I would not be too modest, Chuck. You are the person who, who brings this, this information out in a way that people can understand, relate to, and make it fit their life. Well, you, you know. Don't, you have no idea how many lives you have saved, I, I don't, but it is, you know, to even impact one life and to, to know what a health transformation is, to to experience it and to know that this show is having that impact on others, to give them that positive experience, greatest feeling in the world. And I am not playing that up. I'm just saying it is literally the coolest thing to be able to give somebody something that they never thought was possible. The greatest gift ever. Doesn't even have to be the holiday season. Yes. That's the best part. <laughs> it's so important, but it's true. There, there are a lot of areas where science is, is still moving on, where we don't, we don't know all the answers. We know a lot, but there's still a lot that, 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 we, that remains to be sorted out. Like the thyroid question that we just mentioned earlier. Um, I have been really intrigued by all the people who had hypothyroidism um, and seem to get better with a vegan diet. But to this day, Chuck, there has never been a randomized clinical trial where you bring in 50 people who have hypothyroidism put half of them on a low-fat vegan diet and see how many of them get better. Uh, it's never been done. Um, so should it be done? Absolutely. But until then, we're, we're, we're going with the best information that we have. Uh, it, the, the information is already more than enough to take action, but it's not necessarily enough to satisfy the intellect. For sure. For sure. I mean, they always have that appetite for knowledge. And I do hope that that study gets done at some point. And um, I'll tell you, you know, the first time it really dawned on me about, about, you know, how much of an influence thyroid issues have on a person's overall health and the impact that they have on their life was when I read uh, your last book, Your Body in Balance, and those stories, and then having some of the people you featured in the book on the show was like, holy cow, like this is a really big deal. And to know that there's also an influence there now between that and cholesterol as well is even, you know, it's just astounding to me. The beauty of it, of course, is that you don't have to necessarily have one diet for one thing and another diet for another thing. But what we're finding out is that certain dietary changes 
can affect all of these things. And, and, and the, the whole point behind that book, Your Body in Balance, was to say that, wait a minute, we had no idea that foods could actually affect our hormones, the insulin hormone that's important in diabetes, or estrogen and testosterone, which are important for reproductive cancers and, and healthy reproductive function for that matter, but also thyroid hormone. And yes, there, it's a huge role for diet there as well. All right. And uh, my final question for you is this is definitely it's a hard left pivot here. But uh, you remember the hottest new club in town, Dr. Barnard? Are you an exam room VIP yet? Hmm? Are you? The exam room VIP is the most exciting new club in town. I completely agree. The line is out the door. Matter of fact, the line is being blown down by somebody who's outside the window right now with a leaf blower <laughs> trying to get in to this club. So here's the deal. We have established the exam room VIP club, and this is for people who really want to take their health IQ to the next level. And best of all, it doesn't cost you anything, and the perks are tremendous. So we will give you early access to some of our exclusive top-tier interviews, including one that's available right now just for exam room VIP members with Dr. Michael Greger in advance of the release of his next book, How Not to Age. You can hear that interview today before it's released to the public next week. Just head over to pcrm.org slash exam room VIP to sign up. And so not only do you get access to that interview early, you will also get other perks, including our newsletters. You get early access to tickets before they go on sale to the general public for when we do the big shows like we just did with the Esselstyns and so much more to go. And Dr. Barnard, I, I can only guess that we're going to be doing a lot of exclusive exam room VIP events as well for your book that's going to be coming out in the spring. Can't wait for that either. I am so excited about that. I didn't want to tip my hand too early, but, but just what you said is exactly right. We've got some really exciting information focusing not on what to avoid, but the foods that have almost medicinal effects. Uh, to help people really to, to regain their health, to trim away unwanted weight, and to really feel great. So that's, that's the Power Foods Diet. It's coming out next year, and I look forward to banging the drum about those new concepts with you, Chuck. Can't wait to hear more about that, my friend. Uh, that's going to be an exciting new release. And uh, the last thing that I want to uh, say today is two things, actually. One, a huge thank you to our friends up at Plant Powered Metro New York for hosting me up uh, last night for a conversation about food addiction. And let me tell you, Dr. Barnard, you're talking about people who uh, are really looking forward to your next book. Plant Powered Metro New York is all about this thing. They cannot wait to get their hands on a copy in the spring. Well, I got. let me take my hat off for them. Um, in any case, uh, Liana uh, Levine-Reisner, Rebecca Johnson uh, spoke at our conference, ICNM, uh, about uh, health issues and were so empowering and, and so generous with their time. And, and we've been delighted to work with them on so many issues and hope to continue to do so. Oh, yeah, they were they were there last night. And Chef Rebecca just had a blast, like taking pictures with my old pants. And um, I'm pretty sure we could have <laughs> fit three of her in there, to be honest with you. <laughs> but yeah, just just such a great group. So uh, thank you guys so very much uh, for met, uh, letting me have a little bit of fun in your neck of the woods last night. And uh, Dr. Barnard, of course, every time you're on the show with us on the exam room live, uh, this episode is brought to us by the Gregory J. 
Ryder Memorial Fund, which supports organizations just like the Physicians Committee that carry on Greg's love for animals by promoting plant-based health and working to end animal abuse while also emphasizing programs that promote systemic change and benefit people. And you can visit them. They do a lot. So you got to read all about this. Visit their website right now, GregoryRyderFund.org. That's Gregory Ryder, R-E-I-T-E-R, Fund. Dot org Never ceases to amaze me all the magnificent work Allison and the team at the Writer Fund are doing, Dr. Barnard. Absolutely. Allison Mahoney has done such a wonderful job in carrying Greg's spirit forward in, 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 in a way and really showing compassion for animals and for human health in such a beautiful way. And Dr. Barnard, you have done such a wonderful job of explaining cholesterol to us today and helping us understand, you know, like if you're just in that jam and you feel like your numbers won't come down, what else might you want to try? So I feel like we've given people a lot of ideas, things that they may want to talk about with their own physicians the next time they go for a checkup. Thank you so very much for being with us today. Well, thank you, Chuck. And you can join us every Wednesday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Physicians Committee's YouTube channel and Facebook page. Get in there with the other exam roomies. Drop your questions in the doctor's mailbag and let our experts answer them right there on the spot. We do get to as many as we possibly can on every single show. And even those that we don't, we save them and try to get you an answer on a future episode. So we do see everything that comes in. So raise your health IQ, set a reminder. Join us Wednesdays on YouTube and on Facebook. There's links to both pages right now in the episode notes. And let's wrap up today by talking more about cholesterol. You know, we did talk about how big of a problem high cholesterol can be for an individual, but we did not talk about how many individuals actually have high cholesterol. I wanted some statistics. So I did some research, popped on the CDC's website, and this is what they have published. This is for the US between the years 2017 and 2020. Staggering numbers here. About 86 million adults over the age of 20 have total cholesterol levels above 200. About 25 million have levels above 240. That is 10% of adults 20 or older with total cholesterol of 240 or higher. But it's really not just an adult problem. Get this, about 7% of US children and adolescents also have high cholesterol. This is truly an epidemic that we are facing and our dietary choices are the biggest factor as we learned today. And so if we take control of what it is that we're eating, what Dr. Barnard was explaining is that we then, in the vast majority of cases, can bring that cholesterol down. And so we should make that a point all of us to make that a priority in our life and to help our loved ones along the way as well. You feel like you learned something today? I know I did. I mean, we just talked about that. I feel like every single show we learn something new. There's always something more to be gained. So my health IQ definitely feels like it's up a point or two. What about you? Well, if it is, 
please do us a favor, head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows, and go ahead and subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee. And when you do that, please also leave a five-star rating and a nice review. Even let us know how a plant-based diet or something you heard on the show has improved your health. Because every new subscription, every five-star rating, every nice comment helps us climb a little bit higher in the podcast rankings. And the higher we get in those rankings, the easier it becomes for people to find this information. There are a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of nutrition podcasts out there. But this one, I will say, is by far and away the healthiest. And that is why it is so, so, so important to us at the Physicians Committee that we get this one up to number one so that we can truly make the world a healthier place. That is what this show is all about. And that is how you can help us achieve that goal just by subscribing, Apple, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows. Let's band together and make the world a healthier place. And for today, that is is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Neil Barnard for being here and raising our health IQs. For sure you did, my friend. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based. Plant-based.